Hallöchen and welcome to Air Castles, the podcast where we try to understand different cultures one topic at a time. My name is Joanna, I'm from Austria, and I'm joined by Olivia, who is from the United States. Please say hi! Salutations, Earthlings. <laughs> I am your new leader. All hail. <laughs> With your hands in the air like you just don't care. I'm currently, I, I am not kidding you, I'm currently doing that. <laughs> Same. <laughs> We're just two lonely people sitting alone in our bedrooms or wherever, just raising our hands for no one. And <laughs> now all of the listeners know how embarrassing we are. <laughs> Well, I'm you're glad welcome. you were doing it, though. I'm glad you were doing it with me, that you were compelled. How could I ever turn down any offer of yours? <laughs> <laughs> I would make a semi-decent world leader, I think. <laughs> Ruler of the world. I would not be the worst, you know? I, I, I just imagine it being, like, a huge, like, TV show, but it being actually, like, real life. <laughs> It's just everything becomes a sitcom. Yeah, Everyone has a laugh like track that. installed into their house <laughs> <laughs> that can sense when is a good time to have a laugh track. That would be the worst, actually. Like, that sounds kind of like a terrible nightmare. Yeah, it sounds very depressing also. It does. Laugh tracks, I'm, laugh track, we are beyond the time of laugh tracks. I'm not a fan of them, <laughs> like on TV shows and stuff. But you know, you know what? What we're never beyond of about, I don't know, what's the right phrase here? Anyway, but what's still very <laughs> relevant right now, even though it might be, might have been here for a long time, are the Spice Girls, my dear friend. Oh my gosh. <laughs> because they will always be an icon. That's I don't true. take any criticism on that part or any I arguments. Mean, to be honest, though, um, I am going to argue it a little bit because... Like, their music is definitely iconic, but I couldn't, like, tell you what the Spice Girls look like. Like, they themselves, I feel like, aren't as visually present anymore. Fake fan. It's just, anyway. like, it's true. <laughs> no, I guess. I also couldn't name another Spice Girls song except Wannabe, but I bump Wannabe so hard. Fake fan. Okay. Moving on. So, so <laughs> no, just kidding. I didn't want to shade you. Uh, just slightly. Um, so just, our just teensy bit. Teensy bit of spice. Uh, tiny bit tiny of salt. Bit. Tiny bit of shade. Just tiny bit of spice. The thing is, our topic isn't actually like the Spice Girls, as it pretty much is with all of our <laughs> very uh, ambiguous titles directing mm. into one direction but pointing into one direction but not yeah so basically i'm rambling again uh the topic is about salt the probably not most important spice but kind of like i most would argue spice. it is yeah everyone knows like if there are is there's one thing you gotta have in a dish it's salt and if there's two things it's salt and pepper like those yeah. are the basics true and so olivia is going to talk about a salty topic today <laughs> and what's it gonna be olivia um okay so i brought out my middle school diary and i'm gonna be talking about all of my <laughs> vendettas that i have no, okay <laughs> um so what i'm what i'm actually talking about today is the uh solar de uyuni 
which is the world's largest salt flat that is located in Bolivia. Yay. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, m- most likely fans, if you, if you really look at like travel things at all on any social, um. sort of social media site or magazine, chances are you've seen pictures of it. It's basically the really, really large flat ex- uh, expanse and oftentimes the most popular pictures are ones where the ground is covered in like a thin layer of water so it looks really reflective so you have this like great like the sky and and the people there are like reflected both standing up and opposite and it's just this really really cool effect so that's most likely where where people have seen it or heard of it yeah it looks like you're standing on a like giant mirror on the ground yeah but and in, it's really on the outside cool. Yeah, mm-hmm. and maybe there are mountains in the background or whatever but mm-hmm. um what i learned is that a salt flat aka a salt pan that's another term for it they're basically these flat you know areas of ground that are covered with salt and other minerals and they like shine under the sun often found in like deserts and things like that but they're actually and they're natural formations. They are not made artificially because then there's a different term for artificially made ones. But they're basically formed by um, old masses of water, such as lakes or ponds, uh, evaporating. So mm. in the case of Salar de Uyuni, it was a pr- like an ancient lake, they think, like a prehistoric lake that evaporated hundreds and thousands of years ago, probably, and now just left this salt behind. And for all of our non-native English speakers, is it right to kind of pick mm, to dry up as a synonym to evaporate? Like the lakes just dried up. Yes, the water, when the water goes up in the air Mm. into the sky from the heat. Okay. Um, Thank you for that. Um, (laughs) No worries. And as I mentioned before, I think the Solar de Uyuni, within the past 10 years probably, has been getting more and more popular thanks to social media and travel blogs. Mm-hmm. It's a great uh, Instagram hotspot, I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> um, some other fun, fun little facts I have for it. This is, I didn't, none of the articles I read mentioned this, but oddly enough, when I was looking at a map of Bolivia um, to figure out where... Solar de Uyuni is, which, by the way, it is in the southwest corner of Bolivia, so mm-hmm. really close to its border with Chile and Argentina, oh. I think, um, directly south of La Paz, the the capital, um, mm-hmm. and it's among the Altiplano, which is like the plateau of the Andes Mountains, where there's like it's the widest expanse in the oh. mountain range. That's really really cool. That honestly, the Altiplano could deserve its own episode because it's like mega cool. There's so, a lot of great so photography. It's up the mountains. Like, it is on a, like, mountain platform. Yes. Yes. Wow. Uh, the the altitude is... Uh, for the actual salt plains, the altitude is 3,600 meters in the air. So that's 11,800 feet. Um, so it is very, wow. very high up. And that's something that you have to keep in mind. And sometimes on tours, because you can go on, like any anywhere from one day tours to four day tours of this whole area and you can get up to elevation of like 5,000 meters in the air so altitude is definitely something you need to acclimate yourself to before you go it is Mm. really high um 
So it's a journey <laughs> up there. <laughs> yes, yes. It's not you just, gotta... you know, getting in the subway and then... No, and it's not <laughs> like you fly into Bolivia and then you just mm. go to the salt flats. Like, that is a bad idea. You will get very sick and you won't be able to enjoy anything. So not recommended. <laughs> Gotta acclimate. Acclimate yourself. Um, I guess unless maybe you're flying from somewhere like yeah. Austria, in which case you're already in the mountains. <laughs> I don't, I don't know how that, that works, really. Up. I don't know how, how altitude adjustment works, if it lasts a certain amount of time or what. We are not that far up because I think like it's it's based on sea level, you know. And I just know that a lot of South American cities and countries in yeah, mostly cities, are located very high up in terms of sea level. However, Austria is quite okay in terms of like where most um, towns and cities are because our highest mountains are... I don't want to say something stupid. <laughs> like <laughs> like 3,000 meters, like pretty much the same height. And, you know, but you go there to hike. At their very highest, right? Yeah, it's, I'm, I'm, oh, okay. I think our highest mo- mountain, I'm not sure whether I'm confusing it with France, but it's about like... Five to three thousand are like really high ones, but there's not much up there despite hiking, you know. I see. Okay. Okay. Well, I learned something new, I guess about. Uh, Wait, mountains. I can I, I can tell you. Yeah. Oh, I didn't I didn't say anything stupid. So the highest mountain <laughs> in Austria is three thousand eight hundred meters high. Oh, look and at I you! Think France. You super on it. I think Mont Blanc. Mont Blanc in france is i think that's probably like four thousand five thousand something like that i hope i'm right but anyway yeah and that's the highest one in europe huh i guess i'm surprised that that's france i don't really ever think about mountains with france but one block is five thousand sorry <laughs> i'm so proud of myself a true austrian here knowing your altitude levels <laughs> i'm very impressed so wait so what is it Five, uh, Mont Blanc. I think I said it wrong the first time. I can't remember, but it's Mont Blanc. Um, the interesting thing is I just Googled it and a lot of other mountains came up, but I think it depends, you know, how broadly like you, like what you count as Europe in terms right. of like the Eastern part of Europe. But like in the middle of Europe, it's Mont Blanc. M-O-N-T. But what's, what's the height? Oh, 5,000. Sorry. I, I thought you 5, wanted okay. to know the name. A bit Beautiful. less than 5,000. I'm going to look up pictures of Mont Blanc. <laughs> Mont Blanc. Mount, Mont, yes. Mont Blanc? Okay. M-O-N-T, Mont Blanc. <laughs> anyway, um, my anyway. original point for this story, I believe, was that... I believe. Of the two things that Google Maps wanted me to know about the Salar de Uyuni, <laughs> one of them was that it's like a place that's very important for flamingo breeding, I guess. Like a lot of flamingos go there. Oh dear! I was Google. not on the Wikipedia page. It wasn't in any of these other like travel articles I was reading. But Google thinks it's very important for us but to Google know. Google was like flamingo breeding. Yes, Olivia. <laughs> <laughs> so there's one thing. Um, something that really shook me is that fifty. They estimate that fifty to seventy percent of the world's lithium reserve is right in. The salt flats. Wow. So that's like, that's a lot. Yeah. So I want to know, because they didn't really talk about how much of it is uh, considered like a protected, you know, kind of like a national park. 
Yeah. Or if it's privatized, mm. you know, in mm-hmm. any way, and if there are like salt extraction factories or lithium extraction factories, mm. I don't know. But um, I think that I think it's big enough because it is. I'm not sure if I said this earlier, but it is 10,582 kilometers or 4,050 square miles. So it is like massive. Uh huh. Wow. That's what they mean. So I, I imagine probably at least. Yeah. Yeah. I no, think it's Austria's a lot. like 88,000, like the whole country. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, that's how you see like the difference. That's. Whoa. Okay, well, I'm not even going to try and wrap my mind around that. <laughs> anyway, um, not only is, uh, so not only can you see like the salt flats and, you know, see all that kind of cool stuff with it, which I'll talk about in a, li- a little bit, but, um, you know, you kind of get, ex- by going there, you kind of get the experience of seeing a desert, but it's also got hot geysers and it's got hot springs and there are volcanoes among the Andes. So there's a lot of really cool natural elements to to see. Um, I have a question after the Sahara episode. Is yes. it a hot desert? No, I don't think so. I mean, it probably mm. just depends on the season. Okay, so um, probably no But I don't no think sand. it's it's not a hot desert in the same sense this, that the okay. Sahara is. It's just about rainfall. But there is a quite a substantial rainy season. So I don't mm, know if okay. the Altiplano would cons- technically be considered a desert. I was just going to say, like, when I looked it up, the term desert is based on, like, the rainfall per year. So they probably just estimated that. And maybe even though there is a rain season, if you say that they like labeled it as a desert like part of it then it's probably like even though with the rain season like the dry season makes up for it you know what i mean to still mm-hmm. be considered as the de- as a desert you know i think i'm not sure if the salar de uyuni would maybe like a portion of it would be considered desert mm-hmm. or something like yeah. that because of it getting less rainfall for some reason but in general i don't mm-hmm. think it is but typically salt flats are part of a desert i'm not okay. sure if this one is specifically Mm-hmm. But I think typically they are. Um, okay. In general, salt mm-hmm. flats. Okay. Yes. Mm. And then my last my last fun fact, which was one of the last things I learned in my research, was that there is actually the world's first hotel made of salt uh, <laughs> is here. Oh. So it's, yeah. So it's called Luna Salada Salt Hotel. Um, and it literally is like from the walls to the furniture to the beds Everything is made of salt. You know there are ice hotels out there as well. I did know that. Ice. You um, did or didn't? I did know that, but Ooh. I didn't know that there were salt hotels. And I'm sure this is true for both of them. Is that it is not very practical. I was watching a video about how this hotel is operated. And they have to like replace the walls on a regular basis because the salt bricks erode so easily that must and be so hard how they to have maintain. to take care of like wiring and stuff like that because mm. you know they still have forms of electricity in the hotel but they have to be extra careful about protecting the wires you know yeah. and, and everything like that so it's just like man it's kind of like one of the i think this is the same for the ice hotel too i'm sure where it's like 
you're just kind of doing it because you can. <laughs> but as far as if you should or not, there's a reason why a lot mm-hmm. of hotels aren't made of ice or salt. But I'm so glad that it exists, of course. Yeah. Because it, it is really cool. Very, yeah, it's very cool, but it must be very hard to maintain. It probably has an adequate price point. <laughs> yeah. And there are, uh, and so it's, you know, it's right in the area because then you can overlook the whole salt flat. And I'm not sure mm-hmm. if there are inns on the salt flat as well or if they're all just kind of doubting the perimeter. But I know that there are like shelters where tours will stay at of varying qualities depending on, you know, the how much you're paying for the tour and everything like mm-hmm. that. But there are a number, number of different accommodations to stay at in or around the Solar de Uyuni. Okay. So you don't have to stay in the salt hotel. <laughs> no, 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 no. I don't think I don't think that's typically used by like in the middle of a tour at the very least. It's more like yeah. if you want to just kind of be there and maybe you have like a one day tour or something like that, then that's maybe where if you wanted the experience, that's where you could stay. Mm. Speaking of that, um, you know, obviously we don't know a whole lot about like the history or anything like that since this is a natural formation. So mm-hmm. I just wanted to talk a little bit about some travel tips. If you are Ooh. interested in going here, get those sweet, sweet uh, gram picks. <laughs> I don't know what the young kids call them. Do it for the gram. I don't have, yeah, do it for the, I don't have an Instagram, so I don't, I don't know what I'm talking <laughs> I about. I don't but know anyway. what the youngsters are up to. <laughs> Indicating me. (laughs) It's true. I am 80 at heart. Anyway, so there are basically, like many places, there are two main seasons. There's the rainy season and the dry season. So if you really, really want that mirror effect experience, then you need to go during the rainy season, which Hmm. is usually like November to December-ish to April. And specifically, January to March is like the heaviest part of the rainy season. So that's Mm. if you if you go outside of that time frame, then you really won't get that cool mirror aspect to it. Mm. So if that's really important Mm -hmm. to you, then that's when you got to go. However, downside to that is that some parts of the flat will become dangerous with the rain. And then that will limit what areas you can travel on. Sometimes tours are even canceled because of the rain. So that does make things a little bit more unpredictable for Mm. how much you'll be able to see if you'll be able to see much of anything at all, you know? So there are some Mm -hmm. risks there to get that really, really cool experience. However, uh, there are still lots of cool things to do during the dry season. And in fact, the June through August, which the dry season is May to November, roughly, but June through August Mm -hmm. is like considered the kind of on-season most popular tour period. And in that time, all the areas are accessible. The The flats dry up and, and crack so that, you know, they're in all these, like, shapes and stuff, kind of like a super dry desert. And you can see, you know, how the minerals shine, like, white in the sunlight. You can see those geysers, et cetera, et cetera. So um, you're missing out on probably, like, the peak experience, arguably, but there's still a lot of really cool things to see, and it's still an absolutely beautiful area. Um, But that is obviously when it's the most popular. So, you know, Mm. it's going to be a bit more crowded as well. The other thing then to keep in mind is that because Bolivia is below the equator, that is their, their dry season is their winter time. So 
especially if you're doing an overnight tour, your night temperatures can reach as low as negative four degrees Fahrenheit or negative 20 degrees Celsius. So if you don't oh, pack for the weather appropriately, <laughs> like you could actually freeze to death. So make sure. That is a very be... good point. <laughs> yes. Um, and I'm sure even, I don't know how hot it gets during the daytime. Um, I don't think it'd, it'd probably be within like the 30s Fahrenheit, more like zero to 10 Celsius, mm-hmm. hopefully. I don't know. I don't know how hot it gets, but point is um, it would be chillier for sure. Um, mm. than it would be during the rainy season. So that's something to keep in mind as well. Um, but other than that, I'm out of things. Do you have any more questions? I think all my questions have pretty much been answered. I especially really enjoyed your travel tips because who knows, maybe I'll go there someday. One of the yeah, hundred places we... still on my list. <laughs> <laughs> I do. So I guess let me let me end with uh, I obviously have a great affection for Bolivia because of mm. its name. <laughs> my... I didn't think of that. How yes. could I not? Yes. Actually, it was funny that I joked about taking over the world because when my sister was a little kid, she and her her friend Katie would always joke that they were going to take over the world someday. And mm-hmm. they had the whole world, except I got Bolivia and my brother got the US, <laughs> I think, or something. But I specifically requested that I would get control over Bolivia because it's like my country. You know what's what's really a lame joke? Like, you know, when people need to go find themselves and you could just at one point like walk out of your family and, and be like, I'm going to go be Olivia. <laughs> Bolivia. I'm just going to abandon my husband and, and children and be like, guys, I got to go find myself. I got to be Olivia. And then and I just hop on a plane. Be Olivia. Bolivia. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> um, but Always anyway, keep that so option in mind. <laughs> for a similar, for that same reason, my affection for Bolivia in the sixth grade, when we were learning about South America and like South American mm-hmm. geography and history and things like that, everyone had a project where you had to choose a South American country and then do a whole like project on it, you know, mm-hmm. and talk about its language and culture, blah, blah, blah. So... Everyone drew, and I think I drew, like, I don't know, I was going to say Guam, but it's obviously not Guam, like Guata- uh, Guatemala or something like that. Mm-hmm. Except Guatemala, Central America. Maybe it was, like, Chile. I don't I don't remember, clearly. But uh, I really, really wanted Bolivia. So after everyone, you know, randomly drew their countries and no one had gotten Bolivia, I was like, can I please, please do Bolivia? <laughs> so she specially gave it to me. And I did my project on it, and it was super fun. They have a really great holiday that has to do with, like, llamas fighting each other or something like that, I think. This was in sixth grade. Save that up for an episode. Well, that's what I was going to say, is I will probably most definitely be doing an episode on it (laughs) at some point. But, yeah. Um... Yes, that was my story. That was it. I just really like Bolivia. It's not my favorite South American country, though, because I have an exchange sister from Argentina. So Argentina is my favorite South American country. Understandable. Then I guess we're going to head over to my topic. 
Yes, which I cannot remember so, what it is. So I didn't you know, tell you. Kind of role reversal. <laughs> oh, that that's why. <laughs> role I reversal. feel like it's always like that. I can't remember. I never told you, <laughs> but usually it's the other ta- ter- like mm-hmm. other way around. Oh, how the turntables! How the tables have turned. Yes. <laughs> Who's a native English speaker now? No, no, no just kidding. Everyone makes that's... mistakes. It's a or reference to to The Office because Olivia, you know I don't watch The <laughs> I, Office. I know, but it's for the listeners who do. Plus, it's just okay, something sorry. that I really like referencing because that's the whole sorry. thing with the character Michael Scott is that he does get like English idioms and stuff wrong mm. constantly. Like he says, "My mind is going a mile an hour" or something like that. Great, and now everyone <laughs> thinks I'm a smarty pants. <laughs> I'm being smarty pants here. But anyway, so the, so he says that, and I like I literally don't say oh how the tables have turned anymore. I only say how the turntables, just like that. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I anyway, see. you go. I'm anyway, really excited. So I'm gonna take you on a journey. So we agreed on Olivia called dips on a topic, and then I was like salt, salt, salt. <laughs> What am I going to do? Invigorate. Okay. <laughs> yes. And then I googled a bit. And I found some general facts about salt. So, how is salt produced? It sounds lame. It's going to get more interesting. <laughs> well, listen, listen. Okay. So, the thing is, I found out, you know, there are three, like, main ways of getting salt. <laughs> or, or just producing salt. And first of all, it's sea salt. Where you just evaporate seawater, like like you mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. That's the first method. The second method is rock salt, where you get it from rocky under layers of the Earth's uh, surface. And they just get it through mining. And the third way is salt brines, uh, where there's water pumped beneath the air- Earth's... Uh, water pumped beneath the Earth's fir- surface to dissolve salt deposits that are there and that way salt brines are created and then they later pump them to the surface and that's how they get the salt and that's the most inexpensive and like most common method and as i looked that up i also stumbled across the fact that china is the nation that produces the most salt worldwide and after that it's followed by the usa and india and as I looked further into it, I stumbled across a very interesting topic or issue. And that's that there was a study made in 2018 by Greenpeace, which showed that there in a lot of different salts, actually like over 90% of table salts worldwide and kitchens around the world contain mm-hmm. microplastics, oh. which is shocking. Like, even in I salt. I mean, I wish it was that shocking. <laughs> Not I, gonna for lie. me, like, over 90% was really shocking. Yeah, I didn't I guess think it that was is, that bad. That is like a lot. But, and apparently, like, obviously, that's a huge problem. And then I looked further into it, like, into this article of like, they, that they found salt, uh, microplastic in salt. <laughs> Maybe at some point it's going to be default. They found they salt, found salt microplastic. in microplastic. <laughs> um who knows so the salts uh, salt sold (laughs) in asia you're doing great 
Thank you. The salt sold in Asia <laughs> has the highest levels of microplastic contamination. And the study analyzed 39 salt brands from over 21 countries around the world. And it also found that only three brands did not contain any microplastics out of the 39 of them. And that was a sea salt brand from Taiwan. So they where they got it from sea, from the sea salt, you know, mm -hmm. a Chinese rock salt brand. And a brand from France, which also did sea salt. And with the whole microplastics, like the study also showed that an average adult who consumes about 10 grams of salt per day eats approximately 2,000 pieces of microplastics each year. But you do have to keep in mind that there are microplastics in so many things. So many things. So it's far more. So I don't want to know how much plastic I eat in a year. If that's right. just so, the salt. So that 2,000 a year comes only from salt? Or are they only saying if you salt. have this kind of diet that contains this much salt, then chances are... No, I think it was only from salt, only as from far salt. as I could okay. tell. Like, that's how I picked it up. And so they did research, or I did a bit further research in terms of, like, the microplastic issue in Asia. And that it even got into salt, because... It's a huge problem with the sea salt, especially. And because obviously the, like the sea is very polluted, all of the seas are in terms of plastic. And Indonesia, uh, the salt samples from Indonesia have the highest pollution rate because they're sea salt samples. And yeah, so Asia in general is the hotspot for global plastic pollution uh, right. is what a lot of studies found. And if you've ever been to Asia, it's crazy how much plastic they use in terms of that is just I like I do notice in Europe even that we have so much plastic here compared to how it could be. But in Asia, at least in Japan, like you get a plastic bag every time you shop handed to you and you literally have to tell them like, no, I have my own bag. I brought my own bag. And then they're always like really surprised need a couple of seconds to get it that you do not need a plastic bag like it's just so common well, there like they because japan is really good about recycling but then they also are the absolute worst about like single-use plastic like yeah. you'll get a, a bag of, of candy let's say or a bag of snacks and not only do you get a plastic bag but good then example. each snack will be individually wrapped in plastic in that own plastic bag so it's like mm. it's just a lot it is a lot mm. of it yes and and it can it can not only be found in salt it can found uh, it can be found like plastic in general can be found in you know seafood wildlife even tap water and now the salt you know and so more than 80 percent of marine plastic pollution comes from asia but the question here is why does the plastic end up in asia like how does all of it get there? Do they produce so much or what's going on here? Right. And that was quite interesting in terms of we should just not start pointing fingers because there's a lot going on there because the a study from 2000, 2015 showed that Sri Lanka, Vietnam, the Philippines and Indonesia are the biggest contributors to uh, plastic waste due to underdeveloped trash management systems. But the thing is China also is huge in terms of plastic pollution but a lot of plastic in asia gets dumped there by western countries mm -hmm. 
for example, China imports and you used to import and used to buy a lot of plastic from abroad to, you know, not kind of recycle it, like to, to make new products out of it. But the thing is different types of plastic are able to be recycled or reused and a couple of types of plastic are not. And so China used to buy so many like huge amounts of plastic and then they couldn't use a big amount of them because they weren't the right type of plastic. And so they ended up with all of the trash. And of course now it's like, oh, China is so much, so much plastic, but where does it come from? You know, a lot comes from Western countries actually. Right. So they stopped doing that in 2018 and yeah, and, and just said, okay, we're not gonna import plastic anymore. They did find, it's, it's just so complicated because then they technically didn't import that anymore, but they get, you know the plastic still like they get the plastic cleaned kind of like in different countries and then imported so they still have a lot of a big plastic consumption but i think at least not as much waste and yeah so it's quite a big issue also because once again like a couple of things are that western countries just dump it in asia the different types of plastic and then they mm -hmm. you know they're in the sea they're everywhere in our foods everywhere and another part is that they also get illegally um dropped there so there are also a lot of illegal mm -hmm. trash imports and of course asia also produces a lot of plastic but it's not only them is what i'm trying to say even though they right. obviously have so much plastic there the western countries also play a big part in that and yeah, so the U.S. actually used to be the second biggest seller of plastics to China. Oh, yeah. And sure. yeah, so they sold so much to China. But the funny thing here is that the U.S. did really well in like rankings on how much plastic they have and, and plastic waste because, you know, they moved it all to China. And that's why they were quite okay or good in the rankings in the international ones. Yeah, so very tricky, all of that. Who was the first importer to China? I'm not sure, to be I'm honest. I didn't that say we it. Were second, honestly. <laughs> you? I did hear. Uh, I don't know whether they're the biggest importers, but I saw two different videos about it. And I just know that Germany in general apparently also has a lot of plastic use, even though I do have to mention that they have a really good recycling system in terms of. I just know that. They even recycle or they, a big part is that they recycle, you know, the plastic bottles from when you buy a Coke or something like that, which we don't do in Austria, but they separately like recycle the bottles and you don't just put it like in the usual like trash, uh, trash um, bin for plastics, like trash can for plastics. I just mixed mm -hmm. American and British English, <laughs> high non-native English speakers. <laughs> um so they recycle it like se separately. However, you know, they do have a big plastic consumption as well. And I heard that they also dump a lot in Indonesia and in general in Asia. I'm not too sure, though, how much they sell to China, but that's maybe like possible. <laughs> but I, I was just thinking like, imagine that being made into like a movie or something, because it's an, it's an idea of crime that no one ever really thinks about is like moving trash illegally but like it's a thing there are people yeah. whose job it is to illegally illegally transport trash from one country to another 
And that's, like, interesting to think about. Yeah, I also want to mention I'm not, like, pointing fingers or shading any country here. It's just that Germany was picked as an example in those videos as it is such a big nation in Europe. And the US as well, you know. It's not that it's only those two countries that do that. Like, every country uses plastic and every country is a big contributor. But I think it's just important to remember that all countries are affected by this. And just in general, you know, and that's basically also in terms of facts, everything that I have, because, you know, the baseline of all of this is just that we have a huge plastic problem that it even like gets into 90% of all of our salts, which we consume, that we just need to address. And that is not only Asian countries, even though there's so much plastic there, that it's literally the whole world and they are there are a lot of regulations especially in asia right now and i know about a lot of them in europe as well to ban you know single uh, use plastic or just in general mm -hmm. reduce the amount of plastic being used however i think it's you know you can't always count on politics to fix the issue of course that's a big part but it's just once again a reminder that we all should focus on our plastic consumption just be aware of it you know be aware of it and maybe if there's if there are tomatoes who are wrapped in plastic and not wrapped in plastic and it's the same price point maybe choose the non-plastic wrapped ones <laughs> <laughs> i uh this reminds me of a series of pictures i saw on the internet a year or two ago where i think thailand has tried to ban or, or move out of single-use plastic like shopping bags and things like that. So then there was this great series of pictures from like that first month or so in which people mm -hmm. had all these other makeshift containers to carry their groceries and stuff. Oh, really? <laughs> Since they didn't have plastic bags. So it was like like a traffic safety cone, you know, mm -hmm. <laughs> upside down and then it just had <laughs> stuff in it. Or like a bunch of cart, like um, wooden crates, you know, that they made into like a backpack and just funny funny like odd odd stuff like mm -hmm. i don't think an upside down umbrella was one but that's the kind of kind of stuff <laughs> they were using <laughs> i mean and better I liked, than plastic I liked the creativity yeah yeah it's fun <laughs> yeah so that's basically the whole salt turning into like plastic and salt and uh, yeah i mean yeah plastic and salt it was like salt and plastic plastic and salt <laughs> plastic and salt issue and just once again a reminder microplastics is everywhere 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 watching you mm, watching you report you to the government <laughs> i would like well, to well thank you you're welcome you're very welcome olivia yeah, it was fun to go down that that rabbit hole i felt like it was literally a rabbit hole i was like <laughs> wait i felt like an investigator i was like wait so is does that mean? And then I looked up this thing, and then I looked mm -hmm. up this, and we're like point A to point B to point C. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like you see that? I know. I think that's in the office meme where he has all of those red strings attached, like in this master plan. Is that the office? You notice this mm. this meme where this one dude is like, "This is my plan," and like yes. all of these these papers yeah. hung up on the wall, and like everything is connected with the red string. No, I know yeah, exactly what you're talking about. That is not the office. I think it's, it's like not. Arrested <sighs> Development or something. But it's that Sorry same type of thing. For sure. No, Sorry no, no. You're, you're perfect. You're not I tried. A I tried. <laughs> okay, so then before we jump into German with Joanna, a spicy version of German with Joanna, 
<laughs> we need to drop our like plugs and how you can contact us and that is through our email address which is aircastlespodcast at gmail.com or on twitter with the handle at aircastlespod don't hesitate to reach out to us and now it's time for a drama with joanna uh, i'm glad we picked the spicy episode in terms of i wasn't sure whether we were going to title it something with salt But I picked the spice topic because my f German phrase of the day has something to do with pepper, actually. Hey. And it's a saying where you say, it's an um, exclamation. Is, is it the right? Yeah, exclamation, right? I'm taking... As in like, uh, zooey, mama. Like, yeah, wow. yeah. I was like... You know when you question the most basic things? Yeah, it is an exclamation. Yes. Yeah. Interjection <laughs> is the technical term, but exclamation okay. is a uh, is another usable term. So it's a very, yeah, okay. So anyway, so it's when I would say, Olivia, geh doch dahin, wo der Pfeffer wächst. Oh no. So it literally means, translated, go there where the pepper is growing. You want to guess what it means? Those wait. Those words have to come out of my mouth. Okay. Um. Go there where the pepper is growing. Yeah. <laughs> um. Usually, I feel like I have a pretty good idea. I really don't on this one. I'm you gonna don't? say like. Well, okay. For me, it's so, so obvious. Like, me growing well, up with this. Of course, this. it is for you. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm like. Okay. Wait. <laughs> wait. So it's go there where the pepper is growing. Mm-hmm. Okay. I'm gonna guess it has something to be like, oh, that's where, that's where success is. That's where the money is, or, or that's sure. where, you know, it's like, oh, you gotta like follow your nose, but that's gonna be where you're gonna find what you're looking for, kind of thing. Okay, then, are we ready to really find out what it means? Yes. Uh, I think a good. English translation would be there's no direct translation obviously it's get lost <laughs> oh <laughs> because it's literally something like go to hell kind I of I should have guessed vibe. that because you said it like, was a, an exclamation yeah. but it's just so long <laughs> and I found out that it was the thing is that it's meant to mean you know because usually pepper is grown in India or used to be like a lot of pepper grows there and it just means like go far away Go where the pepper is growing. Go to India. Go oh, far away. Oh, I get it. And now all there is left is you trying to say it. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Geh dahin. Geh dahin. Wo der Pfeffer wächst. Oh, God. Okay, wait. Wo da? Wo der? Wo der? Pfeffer wächst. Pfeffer What's that last word? Wächst. It's very hard in terms of oh, German. It's the no. CH. It's the CH. Wait, okay. Say one more time. Wächst. <laughs> Be brave. Wächst. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. That is it. <laughs> It's again that like trying not to overcompensate, but also trying to make some attempt. To... No, Vest. that works. Best. <laughs> And now in oh, one no. go. Geh dahin, wo der Pfeffer wächst. Geh 
geh dahin, wo der Pfeffer. What was the last word? Wächst. 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 S-T at the end. Wächst. Okay, wait. So. <laughs> oh. Amazing. I love it. Oh, no. This is. Yeah, oh, this is. No. Uh, my my hubris was getting too high. This is good. It's bringing me back down, putting me in my place. No, you're doing fine. Olivia, you're doing fine. <laughs> you are, promise. Uh, okay, let me try it one more time. So say it one more time. Geh dahin, wo der Pfeffer wächst. Wo der Pfeffer wächst. That's good. It sounds a bit aggressive. <laughs> But I mean, it's good that it sounds aggressive Bechst. because usually it is a bit. You would say I that need to get it in an argument. Back in my throat. You would say that in an argument. Oh, okay. I, I, when I you're like trying to end the argument, though, and you're like, just get out. Yeah, it's like, just get out. Yeah, yeah, literally, get out. See, it's just funny, though, because the English equivalent would be like, get lost or get out. And you mm. said it in an exclamation, but then it's like a whole sentence. <laughs> yeah. No, you're right. It, it is, a, yeah, it's not really, but it is a phrase. <laughs> when I'm sure, like, say it, say it, it like at normal speed. Um, should I wait? I'm gonna going to say doch in there. Like, it's just a useless word, but you, that's usually what you say when you're emphasis. Like, yeah, yeah, emphasis. Geh doch dahin, wo der Pfeffer wächst. Yeah, I guess that is still pretty long. But it obviously, like, I think that definitely still works as an exclamation. Mm. Geh dahin, wo der Pfeffer wächst. That's what we typical, just learned. At a typical speed. Yeah. Wow. I mean, that's... <laughs> add it to the list. Add it to the list. Oh, man. Great. I guess. <laughs> do you yes. have anything else to say? You know, I do. Um, you do? Thank you. You're wonderful. <laughs> and expanding my knowledge of German. Even when I can't say it, I know it in my heart. I also want to wanna, wanna do a quick thank you speech to our listeners for listening. Thank you. Mm. For Olivia for always teaching me English. For our listeners to bearing with us. <laughs> I guess you're important. Yeah. You are. Kidding. Kidding. You guys are great. Love you. <laughs> Please keep listening. Please keep listening. And yeah, we're going to be back with a new episode soon. And tschüss und bis bald. Yeah, India is one of my top locations where I haven't been to yet in Asia. Even though Thailand is also very high. Thailand and India. No, I, I take it back. But then I'm like, in Nepal? And 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 what, was el what else was there? Cambodia. So I take it back. They're all very high in the list. <laughs> but India is one of the... One of every country that exists in Asia that's very high on my list.